Welcome to The Witness, true stories of children and gender identity. Conversations about gender identity are happening in homes and hospitals, therapy offices and classrooms. This podcast invites you to bear witness to how gender identity impacts children and families. All of the testimonies that you will hear have been anonymously shared with Partners for Ethical Care. These stories have been shared by individuals who have agreed to have their experiences published in order to bring awareness and to document what is happening. We invite you to listen and bear witness. Part 4. It's been several months since my daughter desisted. After two years of using they-them pronouns, and a year of arguments over me refusing to purchase a chest binder for her. I recall when she came to me with news that her only remaining cisgender friend was changing her pronouns to he, him, and that my daughter was also changing her pronouns to he, him, it, its, and they, them. It was the moment that I kind of lost it. I could not understand why 100% of my daughter's female friends were choosing to pretend to be boys. It was as clear as day that this was a social contagion of some kind, and all of a sudden, all of those arguments I had with my own child seemed a lot less personal. It was that conversation that inspired me to dig a little deeper and try and figure out what was happening to my daughter's generation. My quest to understand started with a conversation with my daughter to see if she understood what was going on with all of her friends and herself included. Changing pronouns and clothes and hair to conform to some crazy stereotype of what they view as male. This conversation is documented in part one of this four-part podcast. After that initial conversation, I was left even more confused than before. So I turned to the internet to help me figure this out. And immediately I was horrified at what I found evidence of a corporate and government-backed social contagion that was not only superficial in nature, but also led to drastic and permanent medical decisions made by underage children who were in no way emotionally mature enough to make life-altering medical decisions. To say I was shocked at what I found would be an understatement. I immediately felt isolated from the rest of my peers, as I had several friends who fully supported their non-binary and transgender children and made elaborate coming out posts on Facebook for their kids. Cognitive dissonance set in hard. I shared with my daughter what I learned about this social contagion in the next two long conversations I had with her about gender ideology, also documented in the podcast, parts two and three. As you will know from listening to part three, My daughter desisted by the end of the third conversation. To my thrill and delight, I had my daughter back. It was honestly hard at first. I had to consciously choose to use she, her pronouns for her, over a year of trying so hard to use they, them, which never felt natural or normal at all. It was weird to use proper pronouns, but it wasn't hard to make the switch. I did it immediately. The rest of the family took longer to catch on. My husband, her stepfather, 
still to this day uses they-them for my daughter on occasion. And every time it happens, I correct him. It almost physically hurts me when I hear someone use they-them for her now. I never even once used the other pronouns for her once she gave me permission to go back to she-her, and it felt good to call her my daughter once again, rather than my child. But the anxiety didn't go away, still hasn't gone away, because I knew she would be interacting with a world that was brainwashed into the social acceptance of gender ideology. Not even just social acceptance, but it seemed that it was unpopular to be cisgender in my daughter's peer group, or that it was cool to be transgender. Basically, if you didn't fit into LGBTQIA+, you were a transphobic racist with no social life. You were a loser. She started at a new high school, and on the way to school on her first day, I told her she had an opportunity as a female to apply to scholarships and grants for college that were just for females only and that it would be smart to form relationships with her teachers so that they might one day help her when it came time to apply for college. That she might want to request letters of recommendation from teachers she got to know well, and that she would want those teachers to use proper pronouns in the event she was applying for female-based scholarships. Specifically, since she is a female of color, I knew that there are opportunities for women of color that she would want to take advantage of. When I picked her up that day, I asked her, Did your teachers ask you about your pronouns? Of course they did. Then I asked her what she said, and she told me, I said that my pronouns are whatever they want to use, or any pronouns they wanted. My daughter is obviously female in appearance, so I felt a little relieved thinking that the teachers would just default to she her pronouns. If they were given the chance to use any pronouns, why would they choose ones that were not female for a female student, unless that student specifically requested a pronoun change? But I still felt that pit in my stomach of worry about what she would do as she made new friends at this new school. To this day, she maintains that her pronouns at school are she, her. But with her old friend group, who are two transgender boys or FTMs, one of whom has been on testosterone for the past two years, and she's only 14 years old. Both use they, them for my daughter, and so does my 12-year-old stepdaughter, although I have not heard her use a pronoun for my daughter in a while now that I think about it. I have repeatedly asked my daughter to tell her stepsister she has desisted, and she kept telling me she would do it. When I ask if she has done it, she would say she forgot. Finally, she admitted to me that she felt awkward telling her stepsister she has desisted because she felt it was disrespectful to transgender people to desist, and she didn't want to seem disrespectful. I couldn't keep my mouth shut, and so I said something like, That is pretty typical of any cult. They will shun you for desisting from their ideology, but true friends will love you no matter what your beliefs are or your pronouns are and that her sister would never not love her and look up to her. Then she said, It's just an awkward conversation to have. I'll do it, but it's awkward and I don't want to. Yet my daughter has managed to continue to avoid having that conversation with her stepsister to this day. So there are people in her life that still think of her as non-binary. 
I have asked my daughter many times about her beliefs and her feelings about gender dysphoria, and she swears to me she is female and that she is using she, her pronouns. And most importantly, she doesn't believe in gender ideology anymore. She believes in separate sex-based spaces and sees how toxic it is for LGB people. This gives me some hope for her future and trust in her word that she has desisted. But it doesn't stop me from having anxiety about her future and her mental health in regards to her self-acceptance and also peer acceptance. I really wish there was a support group for desisted teens and kids that she could be part of. She needs peers with similar beliefs to connect with. I still worry because the schools are pushing this on kids and that gives me anxiety for my younger children as well. The other night, I had a nightmare that I learned that my daughter and my stepdaughter were both using he, him pronouns at school, but they were not out at home because they thought I was transphobic. I woke up all shaky and then immediately grateful that it was just a dream and that it had nothing to do with our reality. But in reality, this could really happen because schools and teachers really will hide this information from a parent. They're doing it. And just knowing that there are full-grown adults in positions of authority and power who are ready and willing to lie to my face about my own child makes me feel like I'm in an abusive situation and gives me so much anxiety and stress. I just keep having those conversations with my child as often as possible sharing with her my knowledge and perspective on the situation, and just keeping my relationship with her strong. I always let my intuition do the heavy lifting with parenting, so when I feel that there is something off with her, I dig deep and don't give up until I find out what's wrong. Right now, my gut tells me to relax and trust her, so I'm doing everything I can to keep the communication open and our relationship close. I hope she continues to work on her self-love and self-acceptance. She has always been quite sure of herself and had healthy self-esteem until she was exposed to gender ideology. So it is nice to see her old self back again, at least at home and hopefully school, if not yet with her transgender friends. My hope is that they become less important the more she forms connections with peers at her new school. She has already shown signs of pulling away from them. She told me she's hanging out with them less via FaceTime because she feels she doesn't connect with them. And in her words, They are so dumb sometimes. I have asked her how it feels to not believe in gender ideology when everyone else around her still does. And she told me she simply doesn't engage with people when they talk about it. She just avoids conversations about it. She obviously doesn't feel comfortable being outspoken against it, though, and to be honest, I understand why. It's hard for me, and I'm 39 years old and have a pretty solid sense of self. It's hard for me to be outspoken about this. It's hard and scary, but not impossible. So I'm still engaging with people, and I'm still having those tough conversations whenever I feel strong and brave enough to do so. I hope that one day my daughter will join me and speak her mind to her peers because I wish for her to live in a world where she feels safe being her true authentic self 
without shame in the body or brain she was born with. This has been The Witness, true stories of children and gender identity. The Witness podcast shares these stories to give voice to individuals who cannot share their stories publicly due to the possibility of losing their jobs, their friends, and their children. All stories are confidential and anonymous. You can share your story too. Go to partnersforethicalcare.com and click the Share Your Story button. We welcome your story, your time, and your donation to support this important work. Partners for Ethical Care is a nonprofit organization made up of individual volunteers from across the globe focused on one mission. To raise awareness and support efforts to stop the unethical treatment of children by schools, hospitals, and mental and medical health care providers under the duplicitous banner of gender identity affirmation. We believe that no child is born in the wrong body. Thank you for listening and bearing witness. Thank you.